And as we do so, we're going to sing together our opening praise. It's the Psalm 122. I joined into the house of God. Go up, they said to me, Jerusalem, within thy gates our feet shall standing be. Psalm 88 is our psalm for today. It's one of the sad songs of the Bible. And this is what Charles Haddon Spurgeon had to say about it. In this psalm, Heman, he's the the author of it, Heman makes a map of his life's history. He puts down all the dark places through which he has traveled. He mentions his sins, his sorrows, his hopes, if he had any, his fears, his woes, and so on. Now, that is real prayer, laying your case before the Lord. So you want to think about it in that light as this man comes before the Lord, and this is the cry of his heart. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before thee, 
Let my prayer come before thee. Incline thine ear unto my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that hath no strength, free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, whom thou rememberest no more, and they are cut off from thy hand. Thou hast led me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves, Selah. Thou hast put away mine acquaintance far from me. Thou hast made me an abomination unto them. I am shut up, and I cannot come forth. Mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee, Selah? Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave, or thy faithfulness in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark, and thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. They came round about me daily like water. They compassed me about together. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me and mine acquaintance into darkness. May the Lord bless his word to every heart. Let's pray together. O gracious God, our eternal Father, as we have indicated already, we're seeking to bring ourselves before thy holy and majestic presence. We come to this house of God to worship thee. We come to assemble with those of like precious faith. We come, Lord, to blend our voices together in praise and adoration, to sing the psalms and the hymns, to glory in our God, to seek a way in our own hearts to find Thee, to meet with Thee, commune with Thee, enjoy fellowship with Thee. And Lord, we pray therefore from the outset that You will prepare our hearts that we might know afresh the cleansing of the Redeemer's blood, that Thou will forgive us for all our sins, those things that hide Your face from us, those sins that cause the Lord to stand at a distance to withdraw His favorable presence. Lord, forgive us for these things, we pray. Put the blood of Christ upon our hearts. We thank Thee that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. And we claim it now. Make us a holy people. Make us a people that are fit for worship this day. Help us to call upon Your name right now, just where we are, the congregation sitting in the pew, listeners at home on the internet, this preacher here. Lord, we reach out to Thee today for blessing. Come and abide with us. 
Let the presence of God be the dominant thing in this meeting today. We pray that you'll come and be alongside us, sit beside us, speak to us, Lord. Open up your word, your word that we've already read in this psalm and later on as we come to our study in Mark's gospel. Lord, speak to us this day. Don't let us leave the house of God without hearing from heaven. We have always counted it a tragedy to, to come to the house of God and leave just the same way without any impression being made upon us, without any reality of meeting with God and hearing from Him. And so, Lord, we would with humility cast ourselves at Thy feet. And we pray that You will look in favor upon this people gathered in Your house, that You will show us Your mercy today, and that You will speak with a voice that wakes the dead and and make Thy people hear. We pray for those that are in need today, and there are many. Our sickness, trouble, affliction has touched our families. We pray especially for those that are in such a place this hour. Go with them particularly. Encourage them in the Lord. David did that when he was downcast. We read of how David encouraged himself in the Lord. And that's the greatest thing that we can do to look away from our circumstances and to get our gaze fixed upon the Lord. Give us the grace to do that today. Turn our eyes upon Jesus that we might look full in his wonderful face. And then the things of earth, including all the the perplexities of this life, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I want to thank thee afresh for redemption through the blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of your grace. Thank you for that moment when so many here were put into Christ and saved. We're ready for eternity. We're going to heaven. Lord, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our sight is upon that which Abraham looked for, that city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. We can say with the hymn writer, we're going by and by to the palace of a king. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Remember the young people of the church. Lord, we cover them for thee. Give them a love for God. Give them a heart for Christ. Lord, those in the Bible class, in the Sunday school, in the youth fellowship, or just generally, Lord, maybe they don't belong to any part of the youth work, but but they do come here. Lord, we pray for them. We pray first for their salvation, and then we pray for the reality of that salvation to be seen, that they might walk with God and bring forth fruit in their life, fruit that is meat for repentance. Oh, may the evidences of grace be seen. Teach them thy way, O Lord. Remember our ministers too, and Lord, we're adding to the list the Reverend Calvin Strip, who's in hospital today with COVID. We pray for him, that you'll be pleased to touch him in body and Lord, just be beside his bed and encourage him this day. Remember his wife and family too. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Warm word of welcome uh, to the congregation today, you in the building and those that are joining us uh, on the internet. I've been asked at quite short notice to speak at this wee orphanage this afternoon over in India at 3 o'clock, so that'll be 8 o'clock their time, just trying to fit in times with such an hour uh, difference. Hours difference is sometimes difficult, 
Do you remember tonight's meeting, the gospel service, another 70th anniversary testimony, and this time from the Reverend Larry Parr, who's coming to tell us how the Lord saved him by grace, and then the Walker Singers from Nurgan, they'll be ministering in song this evening. In the morning, God willing, we will have the opportunity to speak at Tharatara Sewing Center. Remember us, please, in prayer as we seek to encourage these young people in the Lord. In the evening time, we hope to be in Corrigari. This is a special week for them as they rediscover our place in the Great Commission, and various ones are speaking night by night through to Friday. Pray for their week, will you? And then on Tuesday night, I hope to be in Ardara at their 50th anniversary uh, week of meetings. We would value your prayers for that also. Wednesday morning, we hope to speak at the harvest service in the school. That's at 10 o'clock. And because of restrictions, it's by invitation only, really catering for the, the families of the school children. Wednesday night, our monthly committee meeting is at 8 o'clock. Wednesday is also the ordination and installation service of Mr. Stephen Nelson as he becomes the minister of Risharkin. And that meeting will be held in Balamina and again by invitation only. Thursday night, midweek service, 8 o'clock, we continue with our study, the wonderful ministry of the Holy Spirit. Friday is Youth Fellowship, 8 o'clock. The parable of the Good Samaritan is the subject, and Mr. Greg Gibson will be speaking. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting at 8 o'clock, and then we hope to have a service in Pakistan at 9.30. Quite often we do this on the Lord's Day, only this time is really to celebrate the anniversary of the Carmichael School that started a year ago. In fact, over a year ago, um, I wasn't looking up the dates particularly, but uh, deep thought it started a year ago exactly, but it's actually a year and one month. started in September, not October. But nonetheless, we're going to speak to the kids, and we hope to feed the children on that occasion, and we hope to give out the toothpaste and brushes. Hopefully, I want to thank the children of the Sunday School and others who have helped with this. Sabbath school, 10.30, Bible class at the same time also, and Mervyn will be coming to the third part, Revealing Christ in Genesis, worship service, 12 noon, and then at the, in the evening, at 7 o'clock, Mr. Chris Killen, ex-drug addict, will be giving his testimony. Sarah McMillan from Lisburn will be our soloist, so do remember these special anniversary meetings. Could I mention something else that is very special, and that is on Thursday, the 4th of November, at, at our prayer meeting night, we're hoping to have a memorial service that will be in this building for the life of Dr. Alan Kearns. It'll be almost exactly one year on the 4th. It was actually the 5th when he went to be with the Lord, so just the night before at our meeting, this special service of thanksgiving and memorial, and various colleagues will be taking part including greetings from overseas. I want you to be in prayer for that service, please. On Wednesday, we had our day of prayer. and We showed you this picture on, on Thursday night. Just really encouraged to see so many. We spoke about it at the uh, wee time this morning, the video chat that we had. So remember it, uh, these special seasons of prayer. We're looking to the Lord now for blessing. You can't have prayer meetings like that without the Lord coming, sweeping among us. We're very glad to be back 
in the centre of the town yesterday to conduct our open air in the centre of the town. This hasn't been done for over a year and a half. Good to be back again. Remember the sick and the needy of the church, please. Remember the toilet facilities are open from today and the creche facility can be used by two families. And then a very sincere congratulations to Davy and Margaret on the birth of their new grandson, Joshua Ian William Davidson. That's the wee boy uh, there looking so well. There's a special sending forth service for the Reverend and Mrs. Patterson as they return to Kenya this coming Thursday. Will you pray for them, please, as they go back to Kenya? Uh, that was in Coleraine on Tuesday night. I show this picture again to let you know that the pallet arrived safely on Monday, and I've had inquiries about another pallet being sent. So we're happy to facilitate that. We've actually had a promise uh, to cover the expenses of sending it out, and uh, whatever comes in, particularly children's clothes, if that's possible, we'll be happy to send out between now and Christmas. And you think of the poor uh, needing to be warmed in the winter months. That's maybe something you could help with. In Pakistan, the Carmichael School is progressing. They're getting it cemented, plastered, whatever it is uh, that they do there inside the building. Pray for the children. Pray for the work with Freya and the sewing center with these girls, that the blessing of God will be upon them. Now we're going to sing hymn 27. Come let us with our Lord arise. Our Lord who made both earth and skies, who died to save the world he made and rose triumphant from the dead. He rose the prince of life and peace and stamped the day forever his. This is a special day and we're going to sing about the Christian Sabbath, the Lord's day today in this hymn. Rise to sing.
Let's open our Bibles to the next part of the Gospel of Mark. It's Mark chapter 6. And reading together the opening four verses of the chapter as we continue with our studies in this Gospel. Mark 6, verse 1. And he went out from thence. That's Jesus went out from thence. And came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. Ending the reading there at the fourth verse. Let's have a word of prayer. Almighty God, we continue before Thee now in the all-precious name of the Savior, and we thank Thee for Your Word and the study of it, and as we meditate now upon this next section, come near, give us a heart that is set on the Lord. Give us minds that are intent on hearing what the Lord is saying to our hearts. Give us a prayer in our very soul today, as young Samuel had. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth, and help this preacher. Lord, without thee I can do nothing. You've told us in your word that you make your ministers a flaming fire, and Lord, I want that fire of the Holy Spirit to be upon me in the ministry of the word. Spirit of God, come down Come sweeping into this meeting, move in the congregation, and baptize this preacher with fresh newness and power and wisdom from on high for Jesus' sake and for God's glory. Amen. Thinking about these verses, and particularly verse 4, we're going to speak on laboring in his own country, for that's where we have the Lord. He leaves the vicinity of Capernaum and he comes to Nazareth, which is called his own country. That's where the Lord had been brought up. Not where he was born, as we know, in Bethlehem, but where he spent the majority of his years in his youth. And that journey was about a day's journey. And his disciples follow him. So there the Lord comes with his disciples from Capernaum to and Nazareth, and it's the Sabbath day. This is something that we need to note, and uh, we'll come to, to look at it in more detail in a moment or two. And the Lord Jesus did what he always did on the Sabbath day. He went to the house of God. And that's important. We're asking you to sit up and listen. We want you to really get this into your heart. If you're listening at home, we want you to get this into your heart. There are those who cannot come on the Sabbath day for real reasons, genuine reasons. And so 
uh, as always, the remarks are not directed to you, but any time we, we advocate the public worship of God, coming to the house of God for worship, we are speaking about those who are able to do so, like the Lord Jesus and his disciples who are here in the synagogue on this day. Now, there was a sizable congregation gathered. We are told here that there were many hearing him. And you can just picture the synagogue, the, the crowds of people have assembled, all eyes are upon him, all ears are intent to listen to what he has to say, and he preached the word to them. Always taking the opportunity to minister divine truth. And the crowd is astonished at his knowledge and his wisdom. They are truly bowled over, we would say, and also astonished by his mighty works. But their eyes were withholding, filled with ignorance, to really see and understand who this person is that is before them. And their hearts were dull of understanding. And they didn't recognize Jesus for who he was. And they did not receive his message here in Nazareth. Their comments were disappointing. In fact, they were disgraceful. And this led the Lord to say in the words of verse 4, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. We are reminded how difficult it is at times to labor among your own people. Now, in the wider context, if we're thinking about nations of the world, the best people to reach those nations in the world are the people from those nations. You and I that go as missionaries, and it's the right thing to do in obedience to God to send our missionaries, but we're going to those countries as foreigners. The best people to reach those nations of the world are the people who were brought up there, and they know the ways, they know the culture, they know the language, all these things. And as it has been said, a missionary should be working himself out of a job. In other words, going there for whatever period of time it takes, and often as years, but handing the work over to the local people. That's not really what's in mind here. It is on a more local level, witnessing to your own kin, your own people, as Jesus was when he returned to this little village in Nazareth. And oftentimes, they are the most difficult people to win to the Lord and to speak unto those that belong to your family and your community. We also see how quick the people are to reject him and to resist the message that he brought and to ridicule him and refuse him. And so we want to look at these few verses that we've read together and think about what it was for the Lord to labor in his own country. And the first thing that I want you to notice is the inclination of Christ. And I don't want to pass this by. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but it is important when we come across it in our study to emphasize it again. And here in verse 2, when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And you want to mark these words. You want to learn them well. You want to take to heart the example of the Savior. When the Sabbath day was come. Just pause here for a moment, will you please? The Sabbath day was the day that God set aside from the beginning of time as a day of rest. 
In the beginning of time, in those creation days, we are told in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2 that God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And then the record goes on to tell us in verse 3 that God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. He set it aside. Set it aside for holy purposes. That's what the word sanctified means. Because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So this day was given to Adam. But not only to Adam, but all mankind as a day of rest from our labors. But not only a day of rest, a day of worship as we know. There is to be a coming apart from all other things. This is God's mind, and this is God's will for his people, especially coming apart from secular employment so that we might worship Almighty God. The fourth commandment declares, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There is a way in which this day is to be kept. And the principle sought here is it's a holy day, not a holiday as people treat it, but it's a holy day to be revered and to be respected and to do what God intends for us to do on this day. Here is a day made for a purpose, divinely set aside for the spiritual well-being of man, a day to spend with diligence and faithfulness in the house of God. And so when we read this little line here, this phrase, when the Sabbath day was come, that ought to provoke thought. It ought to search out our hearts concerning this solemn duty to our Creator. When the Sabbath day comes, I wonder what words would follow if we were to make a full sentence to describe your life and your activity and duty on this day. What would you write here about your particular Sabbath, your typical Sabbath, when the Sabbath day was come? Let's put in the name Mark. I could use any name. I could use my own name. I could use your name. But we'll put in the word Mark because it's Mark's gospel that we're dealing with. So not to offend anyone, we'll put in the name of Mark to represent any one of us. When the Sabbath day was come, Mark decided to lie on in his bed because he had a hard week and he was tired. Wonder cannot be said of some people today. I'm sure it can out there in society. When the Sabbath day was come, Mark decided not to venture to church because it was cold and wet. When the Sabbath day was come, Mark took it upon himself to rewrite the the rules of God and felt in his heart that he shouldn't be at church because he didn't like some of the people that went to the church. When the Sabbath day was come, Mark reasoned in his mind that the command of Scripture not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together was no longer relevant in the 21st century, it's not for today. And so therefore he decided, I will not 
assemble together, for I can worship God at home just as easy and just as good as I can if I went to church. And I'm sure there's a hundred more uh, sentences that you could put in here that Mark might do on the Sabbath day. What is your inclination? What is your habit on the Sabbath day? I want you to note what it says concerning Christ. When the Sabbath day was come, this is the line that follows him and this description concerning him. He began to teach in the synagogue. And you want to mark where he is. You want to see this again. He's at the house of God. And this was his inclination. This was his habit. This was his fervent practice to go to the house of God, to the place of worship on the Sabbath day. Now, there is a particular Sabbath day at the very beginning of the Lord's ministry that should never be overlooked when it comes to the Savior's attendance at the house of worship. Incidentally, it was in the same village. It was in the same synagogue. And Luke is the gospel writer that records this important incident. Luke chapter 4. You might like to turn to it. It's a very familiar verse, but we want to mention it to you. It's verse 16. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. You want to mark these words. You want to underline them. Especially this little phrase, as his custom was. His custom. His habit. His practice. The thing that he did regimentally on the Sabbath day. His custom was to go to the house of worship. You want that kind of phrase to be written over you. Jesus Christ believed in the attendance of God's house especially on the Sabbath day. He promoted it. He led by example. And you just watch him there on this particular Sabbath. He's making his way to the place of worship with his disciples. Is the Sabbath dawn? Where is he? In God's house. And you want to be like him. If you're a child of God, you'll want to be like Jesus. Remember, Paul says we are to be conformed to the image of God's Son. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, conformed to his image. John says, and he says, I believe ever so tenderly. When you read John, remember you're reading the, the writings of the beloved disciple. The disciple that loved the Lord, the disciple that loved the people of God the disciple that often referred to the people of God as beloved. And so when he writes, he writes from a heart of love. He writes with compassion. And John, he wrote in 1 John 2 and 6, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. That's a simple little sentence there, but very profound. If you say that you are in him, if you are in Christ, that means that you are saved. You've been put into Christ. You know his redeeming work. You've settled the matter of your soul salvation. If this is so, you are abiding in Christ. Well, then John says you ought to walk like him. You ought to be like him. 
We ought to follow his steps. We are to walk the way that he walked. And where did his steps lead on the Sabbath day? To God's house. It is indisputably our solemn and sincere duty to be in the house of worship on God's day. You know, there was a time in Ulster when church attendance was a focal point of the family. Mothers and fathers made it their priority to attend church services on the Lord's Day, and at other times too. When the doors of the house of God were opened, many, many people through the whole province came flocking to the house of worship. Pews were filled, but times have changed, and not changed for the better. There has been a sad erosion of church attendance in this century in which we live, a sad dwindling. The place of worship is, is often forsaken. Some churches that had been built in the past and were filled in the past with a vibrant congregation twice on a Sunday, many of them are reduced to one service on the Sabbath day, on the Lord's day. Why? Because there's not the same interest. And sadder still, some of those buildings are closed. As you rightly know, not so much in Northern Ireland, but it's here. But you think of England and Scotland and Wales, and you will find many, many church buildings. And they're coffee shops. They are warehouses for furniture or for carpet sales. There's nobody meeting in them any longer because people don't go to church any longer. And that's a real sad reality today. Attendance at midweek services has also tragically decreased. And that's perhaps even more alarming because that's the place where God's people meet to pray. That's the powerhouse of the church. We're glad for the kindling of revival recently in our own church and what the Lord has been doing in the hearts of His people and we can say that our prayer meeting attendance is as good as ever, and we thank God for that. We don't take that for granted. But that's not repeated everywhere throughout the province. What we find with the decline in the country is this. It's a sign of a degenerate, decadent day of apostasy. You know, prior to revivals, and I can speak about the Welsh revival in 1904, church attendance had dwindled away. Hardly anybody gone out on the Sabbath day to church. But when revival came and God stirred the communities throughout that province, uh, that principality of Wales, church services were now packed with people. And there was a hungering for the Word. And that's the same in every revival. Very often it's darkest before the dawn. Sometimes when we've come to that place of, of of absolute wickedness in the land and, and among God's people of falling away even from the house of the Lord. There's a band of people come together to pray and they pray and they pray and God comes and He visits. And one of the first things that is noticeable in revival is that church attendance is booming again. You need to pray, brethren and sisters. You need to pray for Revival. 
And when it comes, I want to tell you, this church will be filled. I don't know how we will accommodate everyone with the rules and regulations just now, but we'll do something. We'll do something. We want people in this community to be out of the house of God. But I tell you, when revival comes, people will be queued outside churches to get in. Neighbor, neighbor, I'm speaking especially to you today. Don't let church attendance slip in your life if you're a child of God. You take the example of the Savior. He went to the house of God on the Lord's day, on the Sabbath day. I'm speaking to you, child of God, because you say you ought to know better. You ought to have desires to meet together with God's people and to meet with the Lord in His house. You ought to be hungry for worship. You ought to be hungry for the bread of life. You ought to be desiring fellowship with those of like precious faith and with Christ, most importantly. As the great teacher, he soon gets to the point of ministering the word. He was a recognized preacher. He was a master among the people. He was counted as a rabbi. And so we're told here that he began to teach in the synagogue. This was a major part of his ministry. Indeed, when he began his ministry and he visited the synagogue in Nazareth that I've mentioned here in Luke chapter 4, you remember how he stood up to read the Scriptures, deliberately opening them to that passage in Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, etc., Then he sat down and all eyes were fastened upon him. They wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. And Jesus says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. I've come to preach. And that's what he did that day. How important it is for the word of God to be taught on the Sabbath days. Ministers, preachers, have the solemn responsibility under God to proclaim this book, the whole counsel of God. And there are others, too, that share that responsibility. Already we have had our Bible class, and we have had our Sunday school today. We must preach the gospel as Jesus did. We must teach the the doctrines of divine truth, especially in this airy, fairy age in which we live, when men have turned away their ears from the truth. Paul says that would happen in the end times. This is the age of entertainment. It's sad to say that is the main attraction in some churches nowadays. It's the entertainment. We don't come to church to be entertained. That's unbiblical. You don't find it anywhere in the Bible. We worship God. That's why we come to church. And a primary part of that worship is the preaching of God's Word, exactly what Jesus is doing here. Never forget that. May it never depart from this church the inclination of Christ to go to the house of God to preach the word there. Secondly, the reaction to Christ. Look at it in verses 2 and 3. When he goes to the synagogue and he teaches here, many were listening. And it says that many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that every that even as such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? 
And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Now, the first reaction was that of astonishment. They were absolutely amazed by what they heard. They were astonished, the Bible says. Many hearing him were astonished. The following descriptions, of course, explain in part why they were so amazed. They remember Jesus. This simple man who grew up in the carpenter's shop. He left Nazareth as a carpenter. He didn't go to the great universities of Jerusalem. He didn't train in the schools of their prophets. He didn't sit at the feet of the eminent Pharisees of that day. And yet, he has come back to Nazareth as a rabbi, as a master, with all this authority, with all this knowledge and teaching, and even with his own group of disciples around him, as great eminent Pharisees and masters and and rabbis had in those days. So it's not hard to see why why the local people were amazed, why, why they wondered. They're thinking, what has happened to Jesus? We, we knew this person when he lived among us, and they are amazed. And then the next little uh, reaction here that we read about is disbelief. First of all, they're astonished, and, and now there, is, there are these expressions of disbelief. Where did he get to all this wisdom? In his hometown, Jesus faced a crowd that wondered how he had become so powerful in words and works. And then it goes on here, as you see in verse 3, to despising the reaction of these people. They despise him. Is, this, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? Mentions then the family of the Savior. So the people reasoned, you see, we, we know this man. He used to live here. He grew up in this village. He was the local carpenter. He was the son of Mary. Are not these his brothers and sisters? We, we know them too. Now, when they say, is not this the carpenter? They were not intending to pass him a compliment. No, this was the language of disdain and disrespect. They were looking down upon him. It was their way to make little of him. He is just a carpenter. That's all he was. He has received no formal theological training, just a carpenter. He has. That's all he is. He was never a disciple of a famous rabbi, and they despised him. Through the centuries, some people have reckoned that Jesus Jesus' employment as a carpenter somehow discredited him and his message. In their eyes, he was a nothing and he was a nobody. In ancient Rome, there was a terrible persecution that took place under Emperor uh, Julian. And at that time, there was a philosopher who mocked a Christian and asked the Christian, what do you think the carpenter's son is doing now? And the Christian replied, He's building a coffin for Julian. I thought that was a good answer. The carpenter's building a coffin for the emperor. And when the people of Nazareth called him the son of Mary, 
They were further despising Christ. This was no compliment either. It was contrary to Jewish custom to describe a man as the son of his mother. He was always described as the son of the father in the family that he belonged to, even when uh, the mother was a widow, except they wanted to insult the individual, which they're doing now to Jesus. Rumors to the effect that Jesus was illegitimate appear to have circulated in his lifetime. And there may even be this thought here. He's the son of Mary. We know what happened back then. Not understanding the virgin birth, not understanding the power of the Holy Spirit, not understanding the conception of Christ in the womb of Mary, how he was wrought by God. This is very possible the way that they were thinking. And by the way, we learn that Jesus had brothers and sisters here. Just say that in passing, that their names were mentioned. Mary did not continue, as some would teach, to, to be a virgin for the rest of her life. She had a family to Joseph. So you can see what's happening here. First astonishment, and then there's disbelief, and that's moved on to despising Christ. And then we have displeasure. They were offended. They were offended at him. They took offense. This man was brought up among them. He, he was a carpenter. Who does he think that he is? Setting himself up as a, as a prophet, as a teacher in our village. And that spirit has been about in every century, hasn't it? Some preachers have been despised because they came from humble backgrounds. They didn't have the high educational attainment as those uh, others with their doctors of divinity and uh, the disciples themselves were looked down upon because many of them were just fishermen. That's all. This is how the Lord is treated. This is the reaction of his people in the home village where he was brought up. And then one final thought. Of, we look there at verse 4. The declaration of Christ. Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. You know, Jesus accepted rejection as a price that a faithful prophet must pay. Though it must have hurt him deeply to be rejected by his, his friends and neighbors, if we can call them that, the people that he grew up with. Very often it's difficult to be given the respect and the honor that you deserve among your own people, by the members of your own community, especially if you're young. Young people at times are looked down upon if they're seeking to be a witness for Christ. What do they know? Or especially if you come from a humble background, he doesn't have any education, what does he know? If you do well even in the ordinary things of life, if you excel in education, if you excel in, in business life, if you excel in, in marriage and in family life, if you excel in some hobby that you have or sport or in music or singing or art or something else, you can be envied by others with a jealous spirit. And so it can be in God's work also, though it ought not to be. If a person excels as a preacher or as a singer or does well as a Sunday school teacher and Sabbath school work, 
or as an elder or a deacon in the church or if you are successful spiritually going on with God, if you're admired and esteemed because of the life that you live as a Christian, sadly, with some, there's an old, carnal, jealous spirit that rises up. And people can be despised. Well, remember, God abhors the envious and those who grudge his gifts to others. People have been blessed with gifts, with knowledge, with wisdom. You better be very careful that you despise them because those are God-given gifts. Christ was a humble carpenter from Nazareth. We've indicated what some might have wrongly thought about his mother. He didn't have the formal education and training that other learned and, and great teachers enjoyed. So to hear this man who spoke with such eloquence, authority, knowledge, wisdom, and power provoked that spirit of envy. And so they did not give him the place that he deserved. They did not regard and honor him the way that they should. And that can sometimes be the case in our community as a prophet of God and there is a sense in which all of you are prophets of God of your seed. You have a responsibility to bring forth the message of God, to speak to other people about their soul, to speak on God's behalf as his ambassador, as a prophet of God, one who seeks to share the gospel with your family, with your friends. Sometimes you just don't get the hearing that you would like. Sometimes you don't even get the respect that you deserve. It's nothing new. You think of Moses. You think of the way that the people of Israel treated him so often. You think of Ezekiel, called to his own people, a rebellious people, a people that were even harsh in their countenance when you looked at them. That's the kind of people he had to contend with. Think of the apostle Paul and how he was rejected by his own people. Do you ever feel without honor in your own neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, even in your family? It's nothing new. Christ experienced this among his own family and friends. So you and I can expect to face it too, brethren and sisters. As I close this message, I, I just want to encourage you today I want to encourage you, in the first case, to be like Christ and to be at the house of worship on the Lord's day, to be in attendance. I want to encourage you to be a prophet of God. When you go out there to your family, go out there to your friends, go out there to those that know you best, those that you've been brought up with, as the case was with the Savior in his hometown of Nazareth. And you tell them the gospel. And you tell them of Christ. Just where you are, be that witness. Whether you receive honor from them or not, you be faithful to their souls. Seek to stand for God. Stand for him in your family. And stand for him in your community. And as you do so, you will be like Christ. Let us pray.
Gracious God, we commit ourselves to thee in the word. We thank you for this this next little part of, of the gospel of Mark as we come to the opening verses here of chapter 6. We see the Lord by way of example going to the house of God and teaching the word and receiving little honor and respect by his own people. Lord, that just might be us. But we certainly want to walk in his way. We want to be at the house of God where it's possible, when it's possible. want to be faithful. And Lord, we want to be faithful in our teaching and preaching of the word uh, as prophets in our own right, speaking forth the message of Christ. And Lord, we want to, to do that irrespective of how we are received. We must tell others whether they reject us or receive us. Help us to be like our Savior in these things. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 481 is our closing hymn. My faith looks up to thee, thy Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. Now hear me while I pray. Take all my guilt away. Oh, let me from this day be holy thine. We'll sing this hymn in closing. Rise to sing.
Gracious God, as we leave the house of the Lord today, may we leave with the presence of Christ. May that presence journey with us home and keep us through the afternoon and bring us again in the will of God to the house of the Lord this evening and bless the special testimony and bless the singers and let the glory of God be seen. Do a work of grace in all of our hearts. Bring sinners to Christ. Restore the backslider and bless and edify your people for Jesus' sake. Amen.